And the Solar Bears have made it 4-1, 34 seconds into the second period. What's happening, Orlando Solar Bears fans? We are back with yet another episode of the Bear Tracks podcast presented by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka. We had a bit of a two-week hiatus. More on that uh, at the end of this episode. But it is Thursday, September 1st. We are just over a month from the start of hockey season, folks. Uh, Is it October yet? You've got about 30 or some odd days uh, before that answer is yes. But it is certainly close. As always, I'm your host of this podcast, Jesse Liebman, Solar Bears play-by-play voice, back with episode number 102. As we said, it's Thursday, September 1st. And of course, as always, this lovely podcast is brought to you by our partners at Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka. The Spit and Chicklets crew has taken over New Amsterdam Vodka to create a spirit inspired by Ryan Whitney's favorite drink, award-winning New Amsterdam Vodka mixed with fresh pink lemonade. The result is an exceptionally smooth, great-tasting pink lemonade-flavored vodka. Take your shot with Pink Whitney, proud Solar Bears partner, and, of course, a presenting sponsor of this podcast. So without further ado... We'll uh, get in a moment to our interview with former Solar Bears defenseman Chris Bradley. We'll catch up with him. He's back in his home state of New York, suited up for the Solar Bears over the part over the course of two seasons, 15-16 when he turned pro and played out his entire full rookie pro season in 16-17. Uh, but the last two weeks, there's been some movement on the player front, and the Solar Bears have been relatively active in making some signings and pulling some people into the fold. Uh, When we last spoke uh, with this podcast, it was on August the 11th. So let's fill you in on what has transpired since then. Uh, Of course, we had the return of Brad Barone just prior to the last episode dropping. So that helps shore up the goaltending for the Solar Bears. Orlando then went out and added Matthew Barnaby Jr., uh, the son of former NHL forward Matthew Barnaby. Uh, Ironically enough, last year when the Solar Bears had signed Sean Avery for a brief spell in February, I think it was Barnaby that had challenged uh, any ECHL team to sign him so that he could theoretically get into a game against Avery, his old uh, sparring partner, verbal sparring partner on the internet from what we understand. So Matthew Barnaby joining the Solar Bears, another former Fort Wayne Comet on the roster for the preseason, along with Sean Sedlowski, who had his signing had been announced earlier in the season. Bears also added some depth in net with uh, the addition of Brandon Halverson, kind of a low risk, high reward, uh, potentially scenario there as uh, I would imagine, as we've talked about previously this summer, the Syracuse Crunch signing Jack LaFontaine to a American Hockey League contract, and likely he will be kind of the third goalie in the rotation for Syracuse, which means that he will presumably see some time in Orlando this year. Uh, so him, Barone, and Halverson uh, could be a nice little trio in net for the Solar Bears under head coach and general manager Matt Karkner. Bears brought back a veteran presence, Stephen Oleksi, uh, who was acquired midway through last season from the Toledo Walleye, but he is planning on settling down in the Florida region uh, once he does eventually hang up his skates, but that does not appear to be anytime soon as he is back for a full season with the Solar Bears, former uh, Stanley Cup with a as a black ace with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2016. 
Braden Barker back as well, and a newcomer to the fold. In addition to Matthew Barnaby, you also have Dante Sheriff coming out of Mercyhurst University. And if Maine Mariners broadcaster Michael Keeley, who previously called Sheriff's games with the Austin Bruins in the NAHL, uh, if his advice is any indication or his scouting report, I think Solar Bears fans are going to be very impressed with Sheriff's offensive skill and ability. So a lot to look forward to. That brings as of as of this morning of the players that have been announced signed for the preseason. Uh, it's about several forwards, four defensemen, two goaltenders uh, under contract for Orlando that have been announced. And certainly there are more in the pipeline as well. Uh, but that is looking that has the makings of a very solid entry in the preseason for the Solar Bears. Of course, it's a 72-game season, and the the roster you finish with is certainly never or only rarely the same one that you started with. Uh, but I think there's certainly a lot of cause for optimism, as there is with the start of any hockey season in the ECHL, with the ability to reconfigure a roster relatively easy where you're not uh, encumbered by multi-year contracts. Every contract is for one year, and really paid on a week to week really it's day to day but there's a there's a lot of as i'm sure you're familiar with by now after 10 seasons of watching the solar bears there's a lot of positives and negatives to that but most of the positives allow for some tremendous flexibility at this level of hockey so it's something to certainly look forward to heading into training camp in october we are almost around the corner from that but with that being said we're going to turn it over to the gentleman we kind of teased in our intro for today's episode defenseman chris bradley Our guest on this week's episode of the Bear Tracks podcast presented by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka joined the Orlando Solar Bears on an amateur tryout agreement in 2015-16 and then ultimately played out what would be his full rookie pro and final season in pro hockey in 2016-17 patrolling the Solar Bears blue line for a total of 58 games and appeared in all seven games of Orlando's Kelly Cup playoffs run. Now, of course, he is back in his home state of New York. Uh, he is number 23, defenseman Chris Bradley. Brads, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. This was uh, great to hear from you, Jesse. Uh, happy to be on the show. Absolutely. So we'll kind of jump right into into it. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about your hockey career and kind of what led you to Orlando. Uh, but you grew up in the Buffalo, New York area, uh, and ultimately you were able to prog progress after playing for the Buffalo Junior Sabres and Buffalo Regals. You progressed to the United States Hockey League where you were with the Youngstown Phantoms for two years, playing under who would eventually be a future coach at the pro level in Anthony Noreen. Uh, but, you know, kind of going back to, to your New York roots, uh, you know, when did you start playing hockey and who kind of got you into the sport and who were maybe some of your biggest uh, support systems there? Uh, yeah, so I started skiing. I think my dad put me on skates when I was about three years old, so pretty young. Um, and, you know, I don't exactly remember what, from what he tells me. Uh, I fell in love with it right away and just kind of wanted to do everything on my own. Um, but so my dad was, you know, the person who really got me into it right away. Um, and yeah, I remember he'd take me to the rink as much as I wanted to go or as much as he wanted to take me. And he, uh, he pushed me, you know, as I progressed up 
um, from just being a kid, going to summer camps and doing all the extra little things. So uh, my dad was really the one who who got me into it and pushed me when I was a young kid to pursue it and just enjoy uh, playing. At what point did you begin to to garner some looks from you know amateur scouts that maybe wanted to recruit you and bring you to Youngstown, or, or how how was it that you wound up uh, playing in, for the Phantoms in in Ohio? Yeah, so I mean, even from a young age, um, you know, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I was just out there playing. Uh, I was just playing hockey, enjoying my buddies. Never thought anything of myself or, or whatever it was. Um, and went off to high school. I, I chose to go to high school around here strictly, you know, because my buddies were going there and they had a decent hockey program and thought it'd be fun and, uh, you know, give it a shot. Um, so I played, you know, my freshman and sophomore year, I, I made the you know, federation varsity team and I was like, okay, you know, this isn't bad. Uh, you know, making it as a freshman is a pretty you know good deal. There wasn't a ton of us. So I thought that was pretty cool, but at that point in my, in my life, I was like, oh, you know, division three hockey would be great. And I, I thought, oh, what the heck, you know, it'd be fun to just keep playing. And, uh, I played baseball and lacrosse as well. So I, I hadn't really chosen hockey as my primary uh, sport yet. Um, and then my junior year, I decided to play for the Buffalo Eagles, um, which they had just joined the tier one uh, Midwest Elite League at the time. It was a U18 team. And um, I, I had to give up my uh, eligibility to play for my high school team. Uh, so I gave that up and I joined the Regals and we had a really great season. Sorry, that fell. Uh, so we had a really great season and uh, got a lot of exposure. And I remember, I always remember actually, I was, uh, you know, in the locker room after one of our games we were playing and my coach came up to me. He's like, Hey, pulled me into the hallway. And he's like, I got, you know, a school that wants to talk to you. And at that point, my mind was kind of blown because I didn't think anything of it. Uh, and her Brown was the first school that, you know, had kind of uh, provoked interest uh, from my coaching staff and myself. Um, and at that point, I was kind of in my mind, like, wow, this could actually happen. And, you know, from there on, I started to get a few more interests and looks from, you know, a, a number of different schools and going to these showcases and having conversations and meetings with them. And uh, it just kind of took off from there. And it wasn't really you know, back to your original question, it wasn't really till about my junior year of high school till I realized, okay, maybe I can actually, you know, go ahead and do something with this. So as you made your way to Youngstown, uh, you had two years, as we said, in, in Ohio, what was kind of it like playing in, in uh, a town that previously had been a pro hockey town with the Youngstown Steelhounds and then had transitioned yeah. to what has been a pretty successful junior program over the last decade or so? Yeah. So, you know, kind of continuing on from the story uh, that year, Youngstown uh, had a number of different USHL teams reach out to me. Um, and eventually I ended up getting drafted by Youngstown um, that year. Uh, so I had gone down, I think, you know, February, January, somewhere around then. And I went and skated with them, saw the facilities, uh, you know, met the staff and um, thought, hey, this was a really, you know, cool place to play. But at that point, you know, it was kind of just up to whoever was going to draft me. Uh, again, I was talking to a number of different teams, but I like the fact that Youngstown that it was so close to my hometown in Buffalo here. It's really only about three, three and a half hours down the road. So, you know, it got me away. But as a 17-year-old kid, I was, you know, okay being a little bit closer to home. Um, so I like that. So, yeah, I went down there. I loved it. The arena is, you know, really nice down there. And they've got some great facilities, a great program. And 
they, like I said, they ended up drafting me and to play for, for them for two years was, it was some of the best years of my life. You know, um, it was really when I started to gain my confidence, you know, playing, uh, in that program in the USHL and, uh, you know, had a lot of great friends and we had some great memories. Some of my greatest memories come from those two years, uh, of playing in Youngstown. So it was, uh, it was an awesome program and, um, super happy that, you know, I can call myself a, a Phantoms alum. You know, there's a handful of guys from that those Youngstown teams in those two years that have made the jump to to the pro level, some as high as the NHL, Yuri Seacatch being one of them. But then, of course, you've got mm-hmm. guys that were in the American League, uh, Sam Annis, for mm-hmm. one, and as well a teammate in Youngstown that you were reunited with in Orlando and Alex Gasick. Who among the yeah. guys there were you, were you particularly close with? Yeah, um, Definitely, you know, Sam Annis and I were, we, we go back a little bit and Dylan Marganeri uh, was another one who ended up playing at, you know, Mankato. Um, I really, when I got there, like I kind of mentioned, I was a, I was a younger kid and my, my roommate, my first roommate I had my first year was uh, Kevin Liss, who ended up playing a defense at uh, Princeton. And uh, he was like a big brother to me. You know, he really took me under his wing. Um, and from day one, we were, uh, we were very close and, uh, he took care of me, you know, on and off the ice. And it, it was, uh, it was really somebody that I looked up to, um, and needed that, you know, to help me, you know, mature and, and grow up a little bit. So, uh, he was that person that, you know, we remained close for my two years that we were together. Um, but we did have a, a really group, good group of guys that, you know, uh, Alexander Dahl was there my second year and, uh, we all stayed in touch, you know, years after, um, and some of those guys still do Mike Ambrosia, another one that played at Princeton. Um, and it's, uh, you know, at this point it's, it can be difficult to stay in touch sometimes. And I'll admit, I'm not even always the greatest. And I think we all, you know, have our lives that we feel move on, but you know, this is a good healthy reminder to always stay in touch with those guys and reach out and, uh, you know, circle back because you do, you do share a special bond. Uh, when you play with one another in situations like this and you'd be able to go to battle every single night, you know, with them, even at that young age. So um, definitely have some great memories. You mentioned Youngstown being relatively close to, to home in, in Western New York, but for Youngstown itself within the footprint of the USHL, kind of an outpost. So what were some of those yeah. road trips like for you guys, considering most of the USHL is based out of Nebraska, North, yeah. North and South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Michigan, where you guys are logging some pr- pretty uh, heavy hours on the bus. Hopefully they made the accommodations pretty well for you guys. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the Phantom's bus, but it's a, uh, it's a specimen for sure. So they got this huge, uh, I think there's 21 bunk beds on there. So they got a little kitchen at the front of it. And, uh, you know, there's a restroom in there and then there's about 21 bunk beds in a skinny little aisle. Um, so we had a sleeper bus that had, there were some long nights, that's for sure. You know, we generally leave five, six o'clock at night, uh, drive through the night uh, to wherever we were going if we had like a longer trip. And there were some nights where you, you woke up at seven in the morning and you still weren't to your destination. So you would sit there for, you know, a while on that bus. And, uh, but like I kind of said before, you, those are where those memories really, you know, really happen. I remember guys playing N64 Xbox in the back of the buses and we would kind of sit there in all of our bunk beds and it was just the time to hang out and you had nowhere else to go, but hang with your buddies. So the, the trips were long and, you know, it would be monotonous after a while, but you really, you get to know one another and that's when you spend your, your special moments together. Uh, you know, grunt or a bonding and, and growing as a team. And so it was, uh, it was long trips, but, 
uh, at this point in my life, I definitely remember them more fondly than I do, you know, but at the time I'm sure they were, they can be agonizing at points driving all those hours through the night, but they were fun. Of course, during all your junior time, you also had some opportunities to kind of represent your, your home country internationally. You played for the team yeah. USA, uh, world junior A challenge in 11, 12 team USA for the under 19 Ivan Halinka tournament in 2010, 11. Yeah. What, what was that like to be able to put on a, a team USA Jersey? Uh, super special. Um, Obviously, anytime you can throw that sweater on and represent your country in, in any aspect, whether it be hockey or, or anything else in life, you know, um, you just have to take pride in, in what you're doing and know you're playing for something a lot greater than yourself. And I always had had that mentality from a young age. Um, you know, I those national, the the Ivan Holinka team was never uh, or was was picked out of the national development camp. And uh, I had never made one of those national development camps. I never made it out of New York State. And, uh, so I, my last year I was eligible, I, I ended up going to the, the state tryout and I got cut again. And I had, uh, at that point I was, uh, already in talks with Youngstown or maybe it already got drafted. I can't remember the specific timeline. And, uh, so I called the coach Curtis Carr and I kind of let him know, or he was asking about it one way or another. We were, we were talking to one another and, uh, I think he ended up making a phone call or something, or maybe it was Jason Kohler. One of those guys had made the phone call and uh got me in a, an at-large spot for the national development camp so kind of felt like i had a little bit more chip on my shoulder and something to prove going there you know considering i'd gotten cut so many years in a row and i ended up walking out making the ivan halinka team out of that um you know that festival camp that we did um and that's really when you know my college team rpi had, had first made contact for me from that camp so uh, without the help of Youngstown really getting me in, you know, none of those those special moments would have been possible. Um, but it was pretty cool for me. I, I remember, you know, walking out of the rink and, hey, I'm going to Europe and going to go play for a Team USA. It was, it was a really, really special thing for me. And uh, obviously get to do it again at the World Junior A Challenge and had a lot of fun out in British Columbia uh, playing out there too. So it was uh, some great memories. Now, ultimately, as you said, College was kind of on the horizon with going to RPI. You returned to, to New York State. And for uh, for fans that might not be familiar with where Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute is located, it's an engineering yeah. school or primarily known as an engineering school uh, just outside of Albany, New York. Uh, you majored in business. You were a business and management major, and you made the dean's yeah. list during your time there as well. <laughs> so you were definitely hitting the books. Uh, but what, what was that uh, college experience like playing at RPI, which you know, historically back in the 80s was a powerhouse program in yeah. Division One? Uh, what, what was your time like then on campus? Uh, that was arguably, you know, best four years of my life. Um, and that's really where, where I grew up, you know, it was, uh, not just in hockey, but in life and you learn some hard lessons and you have some great experiences and it just, it kind of molds you into the person that, you know, you become, uh, after that. And I always remember my first contact with, uh, Seth Appert, the head coach at the time who's now in Rochester in the HL and Brian Vines and Nolan Graham were the, were the coaching staff there at the time. And, uh, I remember sitting down and talking and before they reached out to me, I, I pretty much, I was like, I don't even know what RPI is. Um, and I started doing my homework on it a little bit and I went on a visit there, um, and had some great talks and it just, you walk on the campus there and Troy, New York is just a small little town and the community is just so special there. They really, really value the hockey program. Uh, a lot of history in that building, a lot of history in that program. 
And uh, it was just one of those places where I felt like home. You know, uh, I, I had always been the person that wanted to be, you know, kind of a big fish in a smaller pond. Um, I, I liked the small town feel. Uh, I, I liked a lot of things about that in that sense. Um, and everyone, everyone's different. Everyone varies. Some people, you know, want to go to the big time schools and that, and that's great. And I certainly had opportunities to do so, but, uh, after talking with Seth and the rest of the coaching staff, you know, when I was that age, I just felt like it was the right place for me and the right time to, to go to, uh, that school and develop, um, and just be a part of that program. And, uh, some of my best friends are, you know, we still keep in touch today from there. And it was, uh, it was a really, really fun experience. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you guys are like literally in the same market as the Union Dutchman. So like what was the the give fans here a sense of what the engineers Dutchman rivalry was was like? It's definitely intense. It's uh sort of about 20 minutes down the road from one another. Uh ECAC is filled with uh for the you know, all of the Ivy League schools, and then you have a couple outliers who, you know, aren't necessarily Ivy League schools, um, but are still, you know, phenomenal schools and programs. Um but yeah, so us in Union, it's uh, it definitely can be intense. Um, you know, my sophomore year, I think there was kind of a brawl at one point, and it's uh, it's more of a hatred. It's not really a, you know a civil thing at all, and uh, you just walk in from day one, and considering you're just on the other side of the Hudson River from one another, it's uh, it's definitely special. You know, um, from from staff to coaches to players, everyone is you know uh, definitely wants to take a piece of the other person, and uh, it's a lot of fun, but to be honest, those are some of the funnest games I remember, you know, because you know, the building's packed, you know, it's going to be a hostile environment when you go on the road or, or when they come to you and it's just, uh, everyone's going to be bringing it that night. And it's just a lot of fun to play uh, in those games. What can you tell us about the hockey line outside the the field house? Yeah. it's So all the, uh, you know, students and the fans line up before the, uh, the season starts uh, and they pretty much wait in line for their tickets. Um, so it becomes this huge, you know, event and ordeal, uh, you know, that they, they put on and, um, to see that as a player and to know that this is the type of support you're getting from the community, uh, from a student body and from a community, it's just a really, really cool thing to see. Um, and I know there are a lot of programs that get certainly a big draw and, you know, have bigger arenas and, you know, uh, are going to get more fans than that, but it's just, well, our time in Troy, New York was felt like so special to everybody because that's what they cared about was our program. Um, and it just puts a, you know, it doesn't put pressure on, but you just know how much it means to people. And so you take that into yourself and as a team and as a group in that locker room. And um, it's something you got to take pride in, you know, uh, knowing that people are giving up their hours and spending their money, you know, to come watch you play. And it's, uh, it's just a really really fun feeling, you know, knowing and seeing the support every year uh, from that type of community. Ultimately, I think if I'm not mistaken, you were named captain heading into your senior year. Is that correct? What, what did that mean yeah. to you to, to, to be the captain of, of your college team? You know, not to, uh, you know, not to get super soft on here, Jesse, but I, I think about some of my top five moments in life. And uh, I think that probably for me definitely breaks the top five. Um, as far as most meaningful things that, you know, happened in my life, my hockey career, uh, was to be able to wear the C that year. Um, we had such a great senior class and I think the C, you know, that I wore, yeah, it was representation of me, but I think it was more representation of our class. 
as a whole. Um, and we just, we were all on the same page and, you know, I know we didn't go out there and win any championships or, or do anything like that, but it was such a special year from top to bottom. And I think, you know, everyone on that team would agree, uh, especially the guys in our class. It was a really meaningful year um, that we were able to, you know, bring that group together and, and have some fun, win some games and um, ultimately just have a really good way for our senior class to exit, you know, our time at RPI. Ultimately, you turned pro after your senior season had concluded, concluded with the Solar Bears in 1516. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious, what was kind of the recruiting pitch that your old coach in Youngstown, Anthony Noreen, kind of gave to you uh, that, that brought you to Orlando? No, I'm not sure it's as much of a pitch for, you know, him as it was for me. Um, you know, I obviously everyone leaves their senior year hoping for a, uh, you know, a, a, a deal a, or a shot in the NHL or a shot in the AHL. And uh, that's everyone's goal, right? That's everyone's main goal. But at the time, it just wasn't the cards for me, which, you know, was fine. I accepted that. And uh, when it kind of came time to, uh, you know, being able to sign a contract, I knew I was like, well, Orlando and Anthony Noreen was there who I'd played for and we had a great relationship. It was, it was really a no brainer for me to go down there. Um, it's, uh, I remember that, you know, the end of the season, it was, you know, you come in and you're definitely nervous, you new surroundings, new team. And, but, uh, being able to know, you know, the head coach, um, really made the transition a lot smoother, uh, for myself, just having some sort of comfortability going down there and, you know, be able to play for him. You got into 12 games in that, in that season with Orlando, your first three was a homestand against Adirondack and, uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, I think the second game you got your first pro point with an assist in what was at the mm -hmm. time an attendance record. I think a little over eleven eleven thousand for military yeah. appreciation night. On top of that, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then you end up scoring your first goal, joining the rush, uh, and ended up getting yeah. the game winner the following day in a, a five three win over the Thunder uh, in what was a pretty penalty filled game. I mean, what what do you yeah. remember from from that particular series? Uh, getting your first pro points, your first goal, your first game, uh, all, all out of the way in those first three. Yeah. I mean, everyone, you know, everyone dreams of scoring the first pro goal or, you know, having their first pro point and playing the first professional hockey game, you know, as, as a kid, you dream of no matter what, you know, level of pro you're playing, everybody dreams that, you know, that's, that's everyone's goal. They want to play, you know, some type of pro hockey. And for me, that was going to be my first opportunity at it. And, uh, it was super exciting. Definitely, you know, nervous again, you, got to get the jitters out of the way and uh, you think about it. So anytime you can, you know, help in uh, chip in on the offense or we do anything or, you know, make a nice play, it relaxes you a little bit and kind of settles you into the game. So to have opportunities to, to really do that um, and, and, you know, score and help out or, or make some plays or to be honest, I don't remember a ton of it. You know, I do remember the goal um, that I did score, which a little bit out of my element, you know, jumping up in the rush all the time. So uh, but it was definitely, uh, it settles you in nice. And, uh, those first couple of games were, were definitely something I'll remember forever. Ultimately you were playing in, I want to say a dozen or so games, uh, in at the time, the solar bears were still very much in, in the playoff hunt that ultimately mm -hmm. did end up falling short. But, uh, yeah. at the end of the season, you know, what, what was kind of the, your thought process for, making the decision to to come back for a full year of hockey or or were you considering hanging this, the skates up at that point or were you looking at Europe or what what was kind of going through your mind in, in kind of reloading for an, a full year with Orlando yeah I mean I definitely knew I wanted to play again 
Um, I had a great experience in those 12 games. Um, and so I know I went that following season, I went up to, uh, the Marley's camp. Um, that's that September, whatever it was. Uh, so I went up there and I was there for probably a day and a half. And I think it was the second period of our first scrimmage. Uh, I actually separated my shoulder in the corner and funny enough at the time it was Dan Maggio who hit me, who ended up being my D partner later that season (laughs) when he came down. So I separated my shoulder and obviously had to exit camp a little bit early. Uh, so I went back to Orlando and rehabbed, uh, don't remember exactly how many games I, I missed, but I think I missed a handful of them right at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, just because of that, but you know, at that point I was just like, okay, you know, just embrace your moment, embrace your opportunity here. And, uh, you know, my goal was still to go play in the HL, you know, make that next jump up, you know, at the beginning of the season. And, uh, I knew Orlando was going to be a place that was going to give me opportunity. And at that point I just wanted to play minutes. I just wanted to play top four, you know, D and just play as many minutes in every situation or role that I can. Um, and Orlando provided me that opportunity. I knew that was going to be somewhere, especially with, you know, Noreen coaching. Uh, we knew each other, we had a good relationship. So it felt like it was going to be a good opportunity for me to, you know, play big minutes and uh, be an impact player, you know, on a team that uh, I knew we had a good, good team that year, you know, and we could have, done something special we felt like at the beginning of the year to to your point uh, as you said you you were sidelined with an injury uh for all of solar bears training camp after after mm-hmm. getting hurt with the marlies uh and in fact your first game uh wasn't until mid-november which was actually ironically enough we we talked about your relationship with anthony and, and he had obviously recruited you but mm-hmm. your first game was the first game after the organization had parted ways with yeah. coach Noreen and had brought Drake Berhowski back into the fold. Uh, yeah. And ultimately you went on to play that year, if I'm not mistaken, about 58, 60 games uh, sure. for the Soul Bears, all under Drake Berhowski. As you said, it was a team that was pretty loaded uh, with yeah. a, a lot of weapons, but what was that like for you, given your relationship with Anthony and, and transitioning to a head coach mid season before you've even played your first game? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely leaves you with some uncertainty, you, you know, every coach has a different vision for how they want their team to look or, you know, who they want to be a part of their team. So uh, at that point it was, it made me a little bit uneasy, you know, uh, simply because that was a place I knew I wanted to stay, but I hadn't been playing, like you had mentioned. Um, And a new coach comes in and he obviously wants to get the results and and produce right away. So, uh, you know, for me, it was kind of get back, be done rehabbing as soon as I can and get back in the lineup and prove myself and, you know, show Drake instead of just telling him that, Hey, this is where I want to be. I want to be a part of this. And, you know, uh, what was, you know, I shouldn't say difficult, but what was a more unique situation is we had so many you know players on Marley's contract that were sent down to us. I think it was, you know, North of 12 or 13 or so. So the competition was definitely tough and um, obviously not being on a Marley's contract. I, you know, felt like I had a lot more to prove. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, I was sad to see Anthony go and, you know, I know he's doing well and I wish them all the best, but at that point it was just kind of, you know, get back on the saddle and, uh, got to start proving myself again. Um, and I think, you know, Drake and I got on the same page pretty quickly as soon as I got back into the lineup and, um, yeah. How much did it help having John Snowden still in the locker room though, as someone that had been an assistant coach under, under both head coaches and, and, and had seen some of your body of work the previous season. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, I keep going back to that word comfortability. It was, you know, I think he had uh, those first 12 games or whatever was running the forwards for the most part. And then once Drake kind of took over, he had transitioned back to work with the defense. So uh, we had had a decent relationship, you know, that for those first couple of games. And uh, I had a lot of respect for Snowy and uh, he came back and, you know, ran the decor and, um, you know, we had uh, a, a great D. We really did. You know, I felt like we were we were very strong back there. We had a very mature defensive uh, unit back there. So I think we were, you know, very self-sufficient. And Snowy definitely helped us, you know, all together. And uh, it was it was nice. It was nice to have, you know, a familiar face, you know, and maybe somebody in my corner in that. And um, But, again, I, I definitely played, I think, a lot of minutes that year. And that was, you know, all I was really asking for. In terms of the the defense that Orlando had that season, who kind of took you under under your wing? Uh, I know you mentioned Dan yeah. Maggio as being a guy yeah. that you were partnered with, but of course, you you go up and down the lineup, and there's some young players, there's some also veteran players as well. But Eric Byer, Brendan Miller, yeah. jump out Ben Danford, who had played a little bit over in Europe, uh, Taylor yeah. Doherty as well, a veteran D man with time in the American League. Who who did yeah. you kind of find yourself gravitating towards uh, and looking for for guidance? Yeah, so me and uh, me and Benny actually lived together. So I lived with uh, him and his wife Charlie at the time, um, which was great because uh, we shared a little bit of a Buffalo connection. As Ben went to Canisius, um, so we you know found some relatability in that. And obviously, living together, he had a he was a few years older than me, so had you know some experience he could share. And um, we had a great time. He was uh, he was definitely somebody I was very close with, uh, you know, outside the rink um, and on the ice as well. And uh, Eric Beyer was, you know, probably one of my closest friends down there. Uh, we just, we have a lot of similarities in our personality and, and, you know, the way we see things on the ice, off the ice. Um, and he was someone that I got along with really well. Uh, we still keep in touch, you know, once in a while, excuse me, here and there. Um, and he was somebody who definitely, you know, took me under his wing and, you know, we sat next to each other in the locker room. Uh, he was a great friend and a great, you know, mentor and leader to me. And uh, so those are, you know, particular guys that stick out uh, as far as people that, you know, uh, I hung with. What do you remember most about that season? Um, you know, I think it was just, it was my first full pro year. Um, and there was a lot to like about it. Uh, we had some, we went to Alaska, we went to Colorado, we played in some really cool places. Um, and it was special to me, you know, as you know, and everybody probably knows it was my, first and my last pro year, you know? And so it's always something that'll remain special with me, uh, that group of guys and, you know, just talking about how I made it to the pro level, you know, and yeah, I didn't make it to the, the NHL or whatever, but for me, it was, uh, it was a great experience and um, I just had a lot of fun doing it. So. As far as the, end of the regular season, the solar bears looking to to chase down a playoff spot. They finally do. They clinch uh, on home ice with a win in the home finale on April 7th in, in a sellout crowd. Uh, what, if anything jumps out from that playoff run in the subsequent playoff series against Florida? Yeah, I think we played it like 14 times that year or something crazy like that. Um, and they were, you know, giving them all the credit in the world. They were an awesome hockey team. They were great to play against and, it kind of goes back to that for me, RPI union rivalry. I mean, you know, being those, those Florida teams, and I don't think Jacksonville was in the, the league quite yet. So, you know, being the, the Florida representation there, it was, uh, it was always, uh, 
um, a war between us, I felt like, and we just played each other so many times. It was just inevitable that that's how, you know, it was going to go. So it just made sense that, you know, our first series was going to be against them. And I think we went to seven games. Am I right with that? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So just goes to show how, you know, evenly matched we were and, you know, the playoffs are never easy to win on either side. So I do remember, you know, not the specific details, but I remember those games a lot. And, you know, the, the playoff hockey is, can be intense. It's awesome. It was a lot of fun. So what ultimately led you to decide, you know, having played through your, your full season of pro hockey, what led you to, to transition away and kind of enter, uh, you know, the regular nine to five grind? <laughs> um, you know, I just, I had to reassess after that year. I, all I wanted to do was focus on, you know, being the best version of myself that I could during the season and helping the team win. And, uh, I mentioned before, I, I had a ton of fun doing it in Orlando and just, it's a great place to play. It's a great city. It's, it's a lot of fun. The organization is awesome. Um, but I, I kind of sat back and um, I just was ready in my heart. I knew I was ready to move on to do something new. I was ready for a different journey in my life. Uh, I was going to be where we were, my now wife and I were getting married that summer uh, in 2018 and so I was just uh, at that point in my life where I was just ready for something different. I'd been, you know, skating since I was three years old. I moved away when I was 17. I spent every summer training and, you know, um, skating and stressing about what I'm eating and doing all those things that I was just, it was time. It just, you know, when you know, you know, and uh, it had nothing to do with the organization and not wanting to play there. I was you know, if I was going to go back and play, that's exactly where I was going to go was back to Orlando. I remember having, you know, multiple conversations with Snowy and Drake about it. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, it was just, it was time for me to, you know, move on and, you know, test the waters on, on something new. So now of course, uh, walk us through that, what you've been up to these last couple of years, you're in the medical sales field, uh, and you're the father of two children. What has that been like? And what joy have you been able to to get out of that the most? It's crazy. It's, it doesn't feel like 2017 was all that long ago, but so much has changed for me uh, and my life in the best way possible. Uh, you know, when I, when I left hockey, it was, uh, I had some opportunities. I actually had an opportunity to go back and coach in Youngstown, be an assistant there and, uh, you know, get my feet under me in the coaching world. But I couldn't go back to those 18 hour bus rides, you know, being in, not getting a bunk and uh, doing all that. Well, that's not the exact reason, but I just, like I said, I was, I was ready to see the other side of hockey and, you know, uh, I miss those days a lot, but so I uh, decided to uh, take another opportunity doing pharmaceutical sales. Did that for a couple of years. Uh, we moved into our first house. And since that pharma days, I've now transitioned to do joint reconstruction, medical device sales. So every day I'm, in the operating room um, and we're doing total hips and total knee replacements. Uh, so I'll help out in surgeries there, uh, which is really cool. It's a challenge. There's a lot to learn and every day there's, there's something new to learn, but I try to take the principles I learned along my career in hockey and apply them uh, every single day uh, to that job. So that's keeping me busy. And like you mentioned, uh, I got two young daughters. I got a two and a half year old and I got a nine month old. So, we are uh, definitely staying busy at home here. Uh, my wife and I is just, uh, it's been chaos all the time, which is great. It's the best chaos you could ask for. So we, uh, we look back at our time and uh, through school um, and through hockey and, and through, you know, 
my short tenure in Orlando and we appreciate all those moments. And sometimes we wish we could go back to Orlando and just get away and enjoy the sun. Uh, Cause the Buffalo winters definitely, you know, can kick our butts once in a while. Well, I'm, I imagine uh, you'll probably try to work in a Disney world trip for the kids at some point in the future. Maybe when they're a little older though. Uh, I wouldn't be so sure, Jesse. Try the end of September this year. We'll be down there. So Alrighty. it's going to be, uh, we'll see how it goes with the young ones, but uh, we we're a big, uh, we're a big Minnie and Mickey uh, fanatic household over here with uh, the young girls. So it'll be, uh, it might be a little bit of a grind, but we're looking forward to it. And we'll be in the some nice time away and get back to Orlando and get some gringos tacos and we'll call it a day. Awesome. Well, Hey, maybe some, you'll see some solar bears fans. Maybe if you've got an old solar bear shirt or polo or, or <laughs> yeah. a hat, you'll rock that. You, you, you might yeah. be recognized somewhere. In, I'm in, sure uh, I could. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be recognized, but I'll pull a hat out or two and, you know, maybe I'll rack it down there. We'll see. There you go. It's a nice conversation starter. Absolutely. Well, Chris Bradley, we appreciate you joining us here on Bear Tracks. Uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave us with uh, before we let you go? Uh, no, I, mean, I guess you know, just thanks to all the listeners who chimed in and, uh, you know, all the fans down there. You guys really always made a special and a, a special place to play. Uh, forever remember, you know, being able to play um, down in Orlando and uh, my first and like I guess that last pro year of hockey um, was definitely special and can definitely attribute that to, you know, the organization as a whole, the players and, you know, the fans in the city. So thanks for having me on, Jesse. This has been uh, a lot of fun going down memory lane here. I uh, definitely enjoyed it. So that'll wrap things up for this week's episode of the Bear Tracks podcast, presented as always by Pink Whitney, by New Amsterdam Vodka. Uh, as always, you can keep up with all the latest upcoming news and announcements. Schedule updates should be out any day now, hopefully. And hopefully we get an on-sale date as well for single-game tickets for the 2022-23 season. Of course, opening night, October the 23rd against the Jacksonville Iceman, 5.30 p.m. at the Advent Health Rink at Amway Center, 2022-23 season, is, of course, presented by Jenny Roofing. Uh, but... As always, visit our website, orlandosolarbearshockey.com. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter at Orlando Hockey, and on Instagram and TikTok at Solar Bears Hockey for all the latest news and updates and content involving your Orlando Solar Bears. Uh, of course, earlier in this episode, I alluded to a bit of a two-week hiatus. The reason for that is because we wanted to kind of tee this episode up uh, as what would be a send-off of sorts. Um, this will be my last episode as host of the bear tracks podcast. Uh, and in fact, today is actually my last day with the solar bears organization, uh, not at Liberty yet to discuss where I am headed, but, uh, I'm remaining in hockey, fortunately, uh, but stepping into a new role with a, another team. Uh, but at this point, that is all I'm at Liberty to say regarding what is on the horizon for me. Uh, but it's been seven years here in Orlando. It was in August of 2015 that I touched down here uh, on a plane from Southern California, uh, moving back east across the country uh, and taking a big risk, uh, jumping into a market I knew little to nothing about, uh, but was really, uh, I guess, enthused at the prospect of what could be done here uh, and taking over for... 
Bob Mills, who left some very impressively big shoes to fill. I hope that in the seven years that I've been behind the microphone for the Orlando Solar Bears that I've been able to do that for you. Uh, but of course, I've got a lot of people to thank here. Uh, I did not feel that it would be appropriate to to use the team social media platform as a as a platform to do this. So I, I figured what better way to do it then than simply with this podcast and give me a chance to talk to all of you listeners uh, and have a little heart to heart here. So allow me to stand on my soapbox for a moment uh, because there are some people I need to thank. First and foremost, my family, the support of my parents uh, and my siblings has been tremendous over the years uh, in taking a number of risks that have seen me kind of pursue this career of one day working in the NHL, uh, in the media relations and broadcasting sphere. Uh, and I'm very, very grateful for all of their support over the years. Um, here in Orlando, there's a ton of people to thank specifically. Uh, we'll start at the top and kind of work our way down the list. Uh, but of course, the ownership uh, of the Solar Bears during my time here, first Joe Haleski, uh, the original chairman of this ECHL franchise, and then in 2017, having the the presence uh, of mine to, to sell the team to the Orlando Magic and the DeVos family who've kept professional hockey alive here in Orlando. Uh, in the subsequent years, uh, the presidents that have been overseeing the day-to-day operations of this organization during my tenure, Jason Siegel, who first hired me, and current president Chris Heller, uh, I owe uh, some debt of gratitude and thank you to you as well. Um, head coaches, Anthony Noreen, Drake Berhowski, and Matt Karkner, though we didn't have a chance to work any games together, but uh, the three gentlemen I just listed have been very, very instrumental in my evolution, my growth, my development here. Uh, assistant coaches, John Snowden, Mark Lefebvre, Jared Stahl. Uh, some nice news for to see Stahlzy uh, sign on with the Charlotte Checkers as an assistant in the American Hockey League. So I wish him all the best as well. Uh, equipment managers, Adam Dexter, Adam Waddell, Anthony Chambrello, Josh Vemulero. Trainers John Finley, Josh Chapman, Mike Digitano, and Brian D'Almeida. Uh, our players, of course, as well, always providing their time and energy to to put up with me and my inane questions or my curiosity, uh, but also allowing me to to make my way into to their lives as well from a broadcast perspective uh, and always being gracious in that respect and always being professional. Our front office staff for all that they do, all the... the hard hours that they work and that they put in uh, everyone at the Orlando Magic uh, and Amway Center, the, especially the game night staff, uh, Jake Chapman as well, our, our radio producer for for this podcast, uh, which we kind of started during the pandemic uh, just as a means to, to keep up with all of you guys and to stay sane. And luckily in the, the subsequent seasons, we've been able to continue to grow this where we have a presenting sponsorship uh, of Pink Whitney. Uh, and, you know, in that time, I think we've had close to 480% growth in listenership from that first few, those first few episodes when we started out, when people were aching for any sort of content. And now it's a consistent part of our of our digital content that we're able to produce on a in-season on a weekly basis um so it's been a pleasure recording this 
podcast and, of course, serving as the play-by-play voice for the Solar Bears, serving as the team's director of communications, of course, dealing with all of our media partners within the market and and on a national level as well. Uh, But finally, and and perhaps most importantly, you the fans. Um, Again, we've grown this podcast. We've grown our our audience via internet radio with Mixler over the years and with the ECHL TV platform now on Flow Hockey after starting on New Lion and before that America won. Uh, And we've had games televised as well on WKMG News 6 and Fox 35 here in Orlando. Uh, I've been very grateful for those opportunities that have been presented to me in, in my development. But of course, it starts and ends with you, the fans. You know, It may say Orlando Solar Bears on our paychecks here, but we all know who pays our salaries in the end. Um, hockey is a sport that has a lot of growth. It's come a long way. The ECHL, the Solar Bears organization, has come a long way in a decade of its existence here with ECHL hockey in Orlando, uh, but I'm really excited at what the future holds for this organization, for the ECHL as a whole, uh, and for this fan base in particular. You guys are bar none the best fans, period, in the ECHL today. I'm not going to lie, there's a bit of a tinge of regret in me leaving in the sense that I'm not going to be around to be on the mic uh, for that eventual triumphant call that the Solar Bears have won the Kelly Cup as champions of the ECHL. But I'm hoping that that is a distinction that is ultimately fulfilled by my successor and that hopefully that call is heard over the airwaves by sometime next June. But either way, I hope whoever my successor is, uh, is able to pick up with this podcast and keep it running but also step into this role as the team's play-by-play voice, as the team's director of communications, uh, and and really make it their own and and truly flourish and succeed and develop as much as I have been able to these last couple of years. But without further ado, I have been Jesse Liebman. You have been listening to Bear Treks by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka. We're going to be on hiatus till we get a new host. Hopefully they are in this seat sometime sooner rather than later here in mid-September and able to really hit the ground running, as I said, and uh, get their skates on the ice, so to speak. But uh, for the heck of it, one last time, he shoots, he scores. Solar Bears goal. This has been Bear Tracks, presented by Pink Whitney by New Amsterdam Vodka.